Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Hello again and welcome. It is Tuesday, October 22nd. And today's, we've got three of our best reporters here with three interesting stories. So the first story we'll talk about is we have thousands of teachers on the streets of Chicago on strike. And while the district is preparing to raise short-term debt. So Patrick Ferguson will give us his take on the situation. Next story will be about if the state of New Jersey and other pension-pressured states look for federal help during a possible upcoming recession, the Manhattan Institute Stephen Malanga sees just one option, a special bankruptcy provision like the one created for Puerto Rico. Kathy O'Donnell and Harrisburg PA will break it down for us. And finally, with interest rates at historic lows, the municipal bond market is seeing increased interest in pension obligation bonds, POBs for short. And more could come as the current interest rate environment lessens the arbitrage risk associated with the debt instrument. Maria Monte explains the trend there. So welcome, everybody. And let's start with you, Patrick. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you guys? All right. I believe today is the fourth day of the teacher strike, uh, where fourth day where the t- kids are not in school in Chicago, correct? Right. Today is the fourth uh, school day. We have more than 30,000 teachers on the Chicago streets uh, asking for salary increases, but also better working conditions, uh, bonuses for teachers who teach more than the cap on class sizes. Uh, the union is also asking for more support staff, such as nurses and counselors, and also for uh, affordable housing options for their students. Meanwhile, the city doesn't appear to be budging. Mayor Lori Lightfoot sent the union a letter on Monday asking that the teachers return to the classroom and then they can hammer out a deal. Um, But she said there's no more money to meet the teachers' demands and called union leadership unwieldy. Uh, The mayor put the union's demands at an additional $2.4 billion, which would cause a 40% increase in the district's budget. So the mayor has already agreed to have a nurse and social worker in every school, and she said she put concessions or bonuses uh, regarding class sizes in writing, but the union wants it written out in a contract because they don't think the, the city will that'll be enforceable. So tell me if how the strike is affecting the investment sentiment in the district. Yeah, so the strike is coming amid a, um, a plan for the district to raise up to $250 million in a tax uh, anticipation notes by the end of the month. This is a, a, a normal um, fund capital raising activity that the, that the district does to help pay some of their uh, pension obligations. The Chicago Board of Education issued about $350 million worth of general obligation bonds in September. And so going back to this is a mid-discord where uh, the district and the city were, were uh, starting to uh, disagree on the, the labor contracts. Generally, the district is better on better financial footing than it was a couple of years ago, uh, at least the point, in the point of view from uh, liquidity, from its cash uh, uh, standpoint. The state government has also helped up uh, or stepped up with uh, paying some of the district's pension costs. And investors have kind of come to expect this from the school district. Uh, in 2012, they went on strike. 
um, talking to municipal bond portfolios, you know, I think uh, most uh, portfolio managers and investors that I talked to agreed that, you know, this is kind of par for course on uh, with the Chicago public schools and with the low rate environment uh, that we're seeing in municipal bonds now. It might be or could be uh, an avenue actually to, to gain some yield. Still, some uh, other investors were a little more skeptical saying, you know, this is going to impact uh, investor sentiment in bond sales and debt sales with the district. So uh, what's next? Well, both sides have expressed or said, uh, you know, they have interest in concluding the negotiations as soon as possible. Uh, But after the mayor's letter on Monday, Union President Jesse Sharkey said, basically said the mayor today has dashed all of our hopes for a quick settlement. Uh, So that kind of has seen to push things back. Uh, Interesting enough, the teachers union has asked the famed Reverend Jesse Jackson to bargain on their behalf. And as we speak right now, Elizabeth Warren was scheduled to visit the teachers' uh, strike this morning, which she'll, she'll probably speak. Um, so that'll at least add some um, some political clout to the uh, to the to the union. Um, in 2012, the Chicago teachers went on strike for eight days, and so we're on day four now. So I don't know if that's the previous strike is a barometer <laughs> of where we're going, but uh, this is where we are. That's the precedence, yeah. And I know uh, Elizabeth Warren mentioned in, in the debate that she was a former teacher. Right, right, yeah. And I think she just came out with her education plan. I haven't got, had to gone through it, but calling for a lot more money for impoverished school districts and and for students in those suffering with uh, unaffordable housing and and uh, uh, poverty. Yeah, I mean, they've got star power, but it's a very tough time in Chicago, so everyone's got their work cut out for them. So, But thank you for your work, Patrick. All right, thanks, Patrick. Kathy, in Harrisburg, PA, how are you? I'm doing well, Young. How are you? Good, thanks. You wrote an interesting story about New Jersey, and as a New Jersey resident, tell me something I don't know already about the high cost of living. (laughs) Kathy, you interviewed the Manhattan Institute's Stephen Malanga, and he basically sees just one option if New Jersey and other states with troubled pension systems, uh, you know, there's a bunch of them, uh, were to turn to the federal government for help during a potential recession. Tell us what he said. Tell us the whole story of... uh, what is it what he feels that states can do? Well, Young, he sees just one option, and that would be a special bankruptcy provision like the one uh, created for Puerto Rico. So uh, if Congress were to create something like PROMESA, which is the Puerto Rico Oversight Management and Economic Stability Act, um, he believes it would allow the states to go before a judge and put together a plan to reduce liabilities and possibly increase some system revenues. Short of that, he doesn't see any bailout plan gaining traction on the federal level were states who got in trouble in a potential recession to approach the federal government. So he sees that as the one option that the federal uh, government would provide uh, in that scenario. Is there an expectation that maybe these states will seek federal help in the event of a economic downturn? Well, I was speaking to um, Bill Bergman at uh, Truth in Accounting, and what he said is that some ex- expectation likely exists in places like New Jersey and Connecticut and Illinois um, that there will be some federal help, whatever form it might take, that would be needed to bridge some of these pension funding gaps. Judging from a bill, however, introduced by three senators, um, which would prevent the federal government from bailing out states and local governments, the federal appetite doesn't, again, seem like there is uh, you know, much federal appetite, I should say, uh, to bail out 
uh, you know, states or localities that do get into trouble. Uh, still, at the same time, you know, he said it remains to be seen whether um, cities or states who get into trouble end up prevailing in Washington. Um, and while it wouldn't apply to state pension funds, there is legislation commonly referred to as the Butch Lewis Act, uh, and that passed the House of Representatives in July, and that would help multi-employer plans, so private sector pension plans, by allowing them to have long-term low-interest loans. But again, that wouldn't apply to uh, state pension funds, but there is some legislation out there to help the multi-employer plans. As I mentioned earlier, as a resident of New Jersey, uh it's a very expensive state to live, and um, looks like New Jersey has extended its reign in the dubious honor of having the the nation's worst finances for the fifth straight year. I think that, um, according to Tuesday Accounting, and it doesn't sound like good news for taxpayers like me. So tell me about that. That would be correct, Young. Um, Truth in Accounting's 2019 Financial State of the States report, which it puts out every year, was released in September, and it ranked New Jersey number 50 among states um, in terms of financial health, which is not good. (laughs) And uh, it has a debt burden, New Jersey does, of 208.8 208.8 B-boy billion due largely to unfunded retirement obligations, and that would equate uh, to $65,100 for every New Jersey taxpayer. So I'm not sure you want to shell out $65,000. I don't. Oh, that's don't. your bill. <laughs> and um, what's concerning, uh, Bill Bergman told me, is that New Jersey's financial situation has actually worsened since 2009, and that came against the backdrop of a favorable economy. So the concern is that if we experience whether it's just a bear market or uh, you know a more serious downturn, how New Jersey will fare in that scenario. You also mentioned in your article, which I saw also on the, on the news, about how taxpayers are voting with their feet. Uh, I think the United Van Lines had an annual national mover study where more residents moved out of New Jersey than any other state in 2018, which is very interesting. I, I personally don't see myself there after a couple more years. so. I I could definitely be uh, part of the trend there. As Bill Bergman said, you know, people in states where governments uh, routinely spend more money than they take in, they get the fact that this poses a threat to future taxpayers. And as he said, more and more people don't want to be those future taxpayers. So they are indeed voting with their feet, as that United Bandline survey shows. Right. Uh, let me ask you one last question. We'll go back to the bill when you int- introduced by the three centers you mentioned. What was their rationale for introducing it in the first place? Well, the bill was introduced in July by uh, Senators Todd Young of Indiana, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, and Tom Cotton of Arkansas. And it would ensure that no federal dollars could be used to help insolvent state, territory, or local governments pay off their obligations. And as Toomey said in a press release, some in Washington, quote-unquote, are pushing the Federal Reserve and other federal agencies to clean up their mistakes. So I've reached out to Toomey's office to find out who he means by some in Washington, and I haven't heard back yet, but I plan to follow that up, so stay tuned. All right. And I know you already contacted the state, and they're very acutely aware of what's going on in terms of fiscal needs. So, All right. Kathy, thank you very much for your work. You're welcome. All right. Maria, welcome. Thanks, Young. How are Uh, you? Good. How are you? All right. So let's talk about your story. You talk about, in I guess in the muni world, pension obligation bonds, which some people consider a a bad word. 
POBs. They are indeed. POBs are a highly controversial debt instrument in the muni bond market. They're issued by municipalities to help improve funding levels of their pension systems. And they're getting a lot of attention now, more so than usual, because of historically low interest rates. So do you think the market favors POBs? As I said, they're controversial. Uh, the GFOA discourages them. S&P once threatened to downgrade Alaska just for issuing POBs, so they don't tend to like them. They're typically a bad sign. Municipalities use POB proceeds and deposit them to their pension funds, and those funds are invested and have an anticipated rate of return. But obviously, if you issue debt, you pay interest on it, and for those issuers, that's a risk. You're betting that the rate of return on the of the investment of bond proceeds will beat the interest rate that you paid on the bonds. But you're also betting that there won't be any dramatic drops in your investment returns or in any investment losses as well. It could happen, and it has happened, including in New Jersey and Illinois, where POB proceeds were deposited to a pension fund and then experienced overwhelming losses. For issuers, the gamble's worth it because they can smooth out the liability, providing additional spending flexibility in their general fund for annual expenses. And by reducing the unfunded liability, they say that the annual pension contribution will be fixed debt service instead of a moving number. POBs don't eliminate the need for annual pension contributions to the system, but they do make them more manageable. But if the bond proceeds are lost because of poor investment performance, the municipality is on the hook both for debt service and their annual pension contribution. Critics say it's moving debt from one side of the balance sheet to another while kicking the can down the road. Kicking the can indeed. And just to reference, when you said mentioned GFOA, that stands for Government Finance Officers Association, a national profession of association of public finance officials who have gone on record saying POBs are not recommended. That's right. All right. So your story, when I looked at it, is about potential change in sentiment toward POBs. What's driving that? Historically low interest rates. You see if the cost of borrowing is reduced, the arbitrage risk suddenly makes sense. If you're anticipating a 5%, 6%, or a 7% return on an investment, uh, uh, return on an investment from your pension investments, and you're only paying 3% interest for debt service on a POB, suddenly the arbitrage risk is reduced substantially. By reducing the arbitrage risk, pubes are suddenly less outrageous or less of a gamble. And as a result, we're seeing more issuers explore the idea. It's also important to add that pension expenses are becoming overwhelming and are rapidly growing for municipalities, and that the additional financial freedom that a POB offers makes it worth the gamble, that the short-term benefit is sensible right now and easier than making the truly difficult choices one must make for fiscal prudency. So in a nutshell, you're saying basically if someone, if an issuer gets like a 3% coupon or something like that, they're assuming like a 7% return. The lower the interest rate, the lower the coupon, then with the difference in the... uh Exactly. It it suddenly makes sense if um, the interest rates are so low, even if you do experience some sort of loss, uh, it it may not be as substantial. Do you think it's possible? I think you talked to one person about getting out the 2% coupon. Is that possible? I think that's a fantasy, but I think any, anything's possible. A lot of people would be very curious to, or very intrigued to see that happen. Yeah, I know POBs are sort of a mixed bag. Uh, you've had uh, Detroit and Stockton. They issued POBs, and look how they turned out. It affected their Chapter 9. That's the other thing, is that POBs often get a haircut in bankruptcy, and people forget that. They're a very easy um, 
haircut to for a judge to make. And they're like the last in line to get anything. Back. Exactly. That's but, exactly. But I heard on a, on a positive side that Connecticut and a town called Hamden did okay with the POB. So I guess you never. They had a recent issuance, and Bridgeport has done t- two. They had, and another is left outstanding. They did one very recently, or uh, last month, in Bridgeport, uh, but. Issuers are seeing some set success, but we'll see the true test comes in five or ten years. Yeah. And one last question. You, in your article, you mentioned in this year alone, seven California municipalities proposed already sold PLBs, correct? Correct. And so it's not an all-time high, but uh, the year is still young, and we, anything could happen in the fourth quarter. Okay. Well, Maria, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, and thanks again to Patrick, thanks to uh, Kathy, and thanks to our producer, Anthony Phillips. But most of all, thank you to our listeners. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed today, and we'll see you again. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.